my name is Gunnar Woodson, and I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. I've started this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and lovers of music, just to talk about their top five records that have inspired their musical tastes or their lives. Everyone's got a different reason why they pick their top five records, and often they're going to be different. They might be because they influence their lives or music or they might be because they take them back to a memorable time in their lives or it might even be that they can describe a smell or a taste when they first heard it tonight i'm talking to aj vallejo aj is the front man of austin's legendary rock band called vallejo he's produced my band's two albums was producer of the year from 2014 through 2016. he is an amazing guitarist killer vocalist incredible producer and i'm honored to call him my friend in a couple weeks campfire gathering is going to take place in camp lucy in dripping springs about 30 minutes west of austin i am the camp counselor the camp director call me what you will it's an adult summer camp featuring killer music food and vibes it's going to take place on the monday tuesday and wednesday between the two south by southwest weekends uh in a couple weeks it's going to be March 16th, 17th, and 18th. Uh, night one's going to feature a couple shows, some dinner. Um, wake up the next day. Choose between your favorite camp time activities. You want to do some yoga? Uh, how about some archery or axe throwing, fishing, winery tour? Take your pick. When you're done with all those, head over to the main hall and see acts such as Ray Wiley Hubbard, Deer Tick, uh, Delta Spirit, Paul Cawthon, other big names as well. Uh, there will be chapel sessions. Um, Nikki Lane, she's going to be the headliner. Oh, yes. I do love me some Nikki Lane. Um, Camp Lucy has over 20 high-end rooms and an incredible restaurant. We're going to be bringing in uh, RVs and yurts, so you'll have places to stay if you want. Uh, so head over to www.campfiregathering.com to get your tickets, get your lodging. It's going to be a blast. Let's get to the conversation. But first, close your eyes back on that desert island what five records do you have all right aj what's up man what's up my brother what's up man i dude totally digging your, your doghouse thank you very much i, I love it it's changed my life there's no doubt about that yeah it's one of the coolest things i've seen in a long time let's talk about your top five albums yeah man ever this is these are the ones you're taking to a desert island this is all you got yeah it's all you got now, you told me that your top five are Purple Rain by Prince, yeah. uh, Rodriguez, Saving Sugar Man, mm-hmm. um, Frank Zappa, Apostrophe, Rat, mm-hmm. Out yeah. of the, the Cellar, yeah. uh, Iron Maiden. Or, so those are your top four. Wait, then you're going with Iron Maiden, Power Slave? I think I'm, going, I think I'm going to go with Iron Maiden, Power Slave, because uh, there's this cool story about that. And it, it did. It was very... Uh, well, let's start with that. Yeah. Tell me a story about that. Um, basically, man, you know, it was... My brothers and I, we 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 when we were in high school, middle school, high school years, we were, uh, um, you know, just cause, you know the people you hang with, you kind of get influenced by what you're listening to, and uh, you know all our friends, the Meatheads, and they were called the Met Rocks, we called them the Meatheads, and then Mark Henneman and um, some of the other guys, our, all of our high school buddies were kind of by default all hard rock guys. There's a cool scene coming out <clears throat> out of L.A., you know, the Sunset Strip scene. Which uh, spawned, you know, Crew and Rat and Wasp and all these, you know, metal bands, and we were just fascinated with them because back when MTV played music, you know, 
there was Headbangers Ball. Yeah. And Lita Ford. I mean, it just we just were fascinated. It was before before metal got really just just terrible. Like when Slaughter showed up and like all these when it got really glammy and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um. So we didn't like that side. We started, you know, moving over to like Jane's Addiction and Peppers and stuff like that. Other way. More like that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So we yeah we started like you know digging on them and then but man so we'd go to these metal concerts and it'd be like you know all dudes it was if, yeah. if you if if you went to it was like there was a band like if you went to Megadeth or Metallica or Maiden it was just a bunch of dudes and like a few like goth looking you know not great looking girls but um <laughs> and we'll get into the next band that we'll talk about uh, the other album how that comes into play but Maiden me and my brothers were also in bands, so we were very like, you know, like I, you know, fight me or whatever. But I was not never a fan of Kiss. I just never thought they were just that. Great. I just didn't think they were great. Like I think they were just musically not great just musicians. terrible, huh? They're not very good musicians. No, they're they're terrible. I mean, and I think that's why they were so big because you know they used smoke and mirrors and big stages to like cover up that they weren't that really that great. And makeup. And makeup, yeah. Cover up. Listen, <laughs> there's a whole thing. Cover up, right? But um. But dudes, so us being musicians, and we were in jazz band, and me and you know Omar was a celebrated trumpet player, and we were just all you know musicians. We actually could read music. Maiden was very musical to us, you know what I mean? Like the way they, the rhythms and the, the time signatures and all this stuff like that, and the way they kind of told stories to to. It was almost kind of like Dungeons and Dragons kind of vibe, you know? And yeah. We, we dug that, you know. But um, what's funny is crazy is like. We were so into that record. There's a song on it called "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariners" at, at the end of the record, and it's like a long one. It's like 16, 17 minutes long. It's yeah. long. Basically, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, who's a writer, uh, that was a uh, in my English class. We were going to study that book. It's a, sh- a short book, and uh, it, it was a it was a story called "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," and, and uh, Iron Maiden took this story, this book that he wrote, and set it to music. You know, that's what that's what's cool about that song. Okay. So my teacher, Miss Nero, who was always fascinated with me, because she was like, you're real artistic, and, you know, I had long hair, but she was like, you know, you're kind of a wild kid, but, like, I can tell you're, like, in deep into, like, you know, literature and stuff like that and poems and all that. But um, she, she passed uh, the book out, and she goes, this week we're going to do Rhyme in the, in the Ancient Mariner. And I, she was, like, handing me, like, the book. I was like, I already know it. <laughs> she goes, excuse me? I go, I already know it. I go, I, I can recite the whole thing to you. Because basically, Bruce it's Dickinson recite. it's literally... It's literally that little book set to music. I mean, so I know if I learn the words, I know I know the I know the story. You know what I mean? So she goes, "There's no way." So I was like reciting lines. <laughs> I didn't, dude. I didn't know it was a book. I when she showed me the book, I was like, "Holy, this is is this the same thing?" Like, because when she when I started reading, I was like, "Did you explain to her that it was a hard rock?" I explained album? it. This is what's so cool, and this is why I'm glad to talk about this record because to this day, <clears throat> she teaches at Thompson High School in. Uh, Alabama, uh, in uh, Alabaster. Um, she put, she after I told her that, she was so fascinated. I was like, there's a band called Iron Maiden and they set this whole story to music. She was like, blown, mind blown. She made a slideshow with pictures and then played the song, <laughs> Iron Maiden song, in our class to the slideshow she made. To this day, apparently what I hear is she plays it every year for every class and she also says, this one of my fellow, uh, former students, AJ Vallejo, who's now a rock and roll. So now guy. you're famous. 
Dude, every year she, it's, they, she plays Iron Maiden. She plays her little slideshow and plays uh, Ryan the Ancient Mariner. But I love that song. I think it's brilliant. It's a you know concept album song. It's a piece of work, uh, piece of art, and that whole album's great. Flash the Blade and the Duelist, and I mean just. I listened to it today. Yeah, I, I, and I it's probably not I, your bag. I, I didn't get it. Yeah, I didn't get it yet. But I'm just saying yet. So Rat. Yeah. Rat. I mean, that is so classic. And it's, there's there's one part in there where they do that Vallejo thing where they take it out and they do that kind of distorted voice. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Dude, Rat is... It's weird because if you listen to Rat deeply, like, you hear a lot of Vallejo. Oh, there, there's no... When I listen to it, I'm like, oh, my God, this, yeah. is, this is Vallejo. Yeah. This was, like, a yeah. huge and influence. Not that, like, we sound anything like Rat, but there's... The, the, you know, the articulations and the... And the no, you guys do. The vocal delivery, everything's, you know, the harmonies, the way they were stacked, yeah. the harmonies that Omar hits with me, mm-hmm. and, you know, songs that, like, you hear on stereo, they're the same, it's the same kind of style that Juan Cruchet would hit with Steven. It's all, it bled in there, whether we liked it or not. So. Right. But going back to what I said when we go to these concerts, you know, with Maiden and Megadeth and all, there was no chicks. Like, <laughs> Rat was like the metal Duran Duran. Like, there was nothing but chicks it was like strippers chicks we were like that's why we like rat and we were like we need to take notes there's a bunch of girls here throwing bras and panties at these guys and like and they're singing harmonies what are they doing different it's not here's what they're doing different great harmonies cool riffs the beat was always like grooving like stripper grooving like you could dance to it you know what i mean like lay it down lay it like or even round and round these are all great tunes like we were like paying attention going like we, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And we didn't know we were going to be, we didn't think we were going to be a metal band or anything yet, but we were like, whatever we do, let's pay attention to what these guys are doing. What are they doing different? I don't really consider Rat to be a, a metal band. No. I consider them to be a, an 80s rock band. Yeah, dude, you're right, you're right. Because they were never really like heavy, heavy metal, you know, they were right. just, they had the, and they, you know, they, were, they weren't dressing on leather and black and spikes. They were, you know, these guys were wearing like, they looked like, Gypsies, you know, pirates. Like they, they were dressing like in colorful colors and stuff. Stuff that the chicks dig, you know, like wearing bandit. They, dude, they started the whole bandanas on the head thing. You know what I mean? Like if you go, they were starting where they tie it and it would come, you know, hang down on the side and stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because we'd we'd all like start wearing stuff like no, that. No, I totally hear that influence in your music. No, and I love that record, man. It's just that record from beginning to end. It's like, you know, those bands that like you know they can't ever top their their debut records. It's like, you know, like like Appetite, and it's just hard to. When you have make a perfect record that you spent probably ten years writing, yep. you know what I mean? That record is from beginning to end. It's I don't ever think and you know, they put I, out some good records. I just don't think they ever topped it. You know. I look a lot when I try to decide my top, and I still I still can't even decide that decide mine. You know, I'm still deciding if I want to take out Willis Allen Ramsey and put in Lucero. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's like that. I mean, you're having the same struggle. Everybody's gonna have the same. struggle. Yeah, it was tough, man. You were like. Can I do like six or seven? Nope, you can only do five. So when you when you can only do five, it's like it's hard, really it's, hard. It's hard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I got three. I got three. Can you know that we can't? You know we can't even go to because like I was like, do we go? But yeah, those five that I'm picking, they are really like they're very important records into who I've become and what what okay music means to me. You know? Well, then let's talk about Frank Zappa because that's one that I haven't gotten into yet either. Yeah. But um, I there's so many people out there that love Frank Zappa. Zappa. Yeah. That, dude, that I've, I have to give it a chance. Yeah, Frank, dude, was the, the the appeal of Frank is like 
that the guy literally, he was the guy that began not giving two Fs. You know what I mean? Like, he just didn't care. You can say whatever you okay, want. Okay, great. Yeah. But, like, um, yeah, man, it's like he, he, you know, he fought the PMRC. He, he didn't really care. He's, all his songs were kind of perverted or nasty or dirty. Like, what, you know, why does it hurt when I pee? And all the, you know, the, don't, uh, don't, don't eat the, the yellow snow. Yeah, the yellow snow. I mean, yeah, so... We, we, me and my brothers would always play cards with my friend Chris Hahn in Alabama and we'd in a kind of place like this not as nice as the doghouse but he had a little place out there where he could kind of hang out and we'd you know we started you know smoking pot and drinking and we'd play cards we'd play cards all night long and he had this back he had this new thing called a five disc dis- changer we yeah and it was like hey do you have to put five discs in here and it rotates I had a ten disc one that you had to put oh, on the whole yeah. cartridge yeah so we would put all Zappa in there like <laughs> We could do Zappa put out sixty two, you know, sixty two albums when, in his career, and, and still has a catalog of all just like Prince does, and they're still releasing records to this day. But yeah, man. So what is it that you love about Zappa? I like just, I mean, he was the first guy, and then and then we'll get into Prince, but where Prince kind of broke a lot of ground and kind of had no boundaries and what he did, Zappa kind of just like went. Prince would still stay within a realm of like, you know, Prince wouldn't do like country he wasn't going to do anything like that but like Zappa kind of just didn't have any boundaries whatsoever he, he didn't give a fuck musically also since my brothers and us uh, my parents did you know were adamant about us you know being in symphonic band and being you know we all know music it's not just three chords and um you know we were we loved symphonic classical music so the guy if you if you dig deeper into Zappa he you know he recorded his last uh 10 15 years of his career he was scoring uh, music for symphonies, so um, the, yellow, the Yellow Shark, and you get his stuff, stuff at, at the end uh, of his career. Like uh, he was basically just all—that's oh, all he was doing. He was writing for like complete symphonies, and and they they would end it up like, you know, after he died, they did like they still have concerts with symphonies of his music and his work. So I don't know, man. Just he's just such a musical guy, and I think he's kind of actually him digging on him is what kind of like may open me up to like. Prince passed what just Purple, you know, we, obviously Purple, that uh, movie came out, it was like, just kind of rocked my whole world, like, I was like, okay, now, where I was checking out Rat and what they were doing, this little dude, this little weird guy was just like, mine, I was like, okay, this guy's doing everything right, like, I mean, I'm a guy, like, I'm, you know, fascinated with this man, like, you know, in a, in a way that I'm fascinated with women, like, it's weird, it wasn't a, homosexual thing it was just kind of like a really just fascinating like the guy just fascinated me in every way then musically you know he was just a, a genius and I just really like really studied the guy so I don't know man like and then again that ra- uh, record Purple Rain is it's dude you know even if that's not your style that record from beginning to end the way it opens with Let's Go Crazy and the intro you know just the way, the way we we as artists you know we always write down yeah. set lists like okay the show's got to have an opener and it's going to kind of we're going to rock a few and then we're going to it has a perfect flow to it like that that album reads like a perfect set list like to me like I mean like the way it even ends with you know uh, you know just the way it ends with uh, I Would Die For You and then kind of comes back like the movie Encore and Purple Rain comes on it goes on for eight minutes and like it's literally the perfect set like if he could do that set like every night and people would just still love it so so I just um, for my dog mm-hmm his name's Astro. Yeah. Even though the Astro's lost. Yes, I do. Um, 
we get them toys, and we always try to come up with these clever names. And so yeah. we got this little star. And so I said, we're going to call this one Prince. Like, Baby, I'm a star. So that was... Yeah, that's awesome. So Prince, well, and this is hands down your favorite album. I like 1999 a lot, too. I do, too. I think it is great. And I, I think 1999 is, is brilliant as well. I love a lot. I mean, I love, like, of course, there's so many great songs on there. Even the the, the, the deep cuts and all that. But, like, I think 1999 was where he was really starting to tap into like what his potential was and I think he just got it right with Purple Rain. It, yep. it just... No, I, I agree. I, I think know. that that's... I think that's... I, I listened to it today. I listened yeah. to all, all your five today. Yeah. I mean, and Beautiful Ones, I mean, it's masterpiece. I mean, it's all... It's perfect, man. I mean, Darling Nikki, it's just... He, he, there was... Dude, at the time, there was no record out there that was even doing... Touching all bases like that. Right. And... And you got to kind of translate it over to how it makes you feel physically, like what it was doing to little teenage girls. And I mean, they were yeah. a, a young guy like me. My parents didn't keep sit me down with the birds and the bees. I learned a lot of my sex through Prince. You know I mean like I didn't like when I saw Purple Rain and when he was like down in the basement, like putting his hands down like Apollonia's pants and like kind of rubbing her. I was like, "What's going on there?" You know I mean like what are they doing? Yeah, what's he doing? You know I mean like. <laughs> Oh, cool! And then, and then I would. I like. I literally the first time I like got fresh with a girl and we were kissing. I put some music on. I I totally was just trying to replay that, and it just rocked her world. So I was like, so you know, okay, I like it. So you know, is that what you put on for? Not anymore. It should be creepy now. <laughs> <laughs> I, my my go to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. You know, is it's not the second side of physical graffiti or whatever. It yeah. Was. It's. The flip side of Tattoo You. I think yeah. that one's the best. Oh, yeah, that is good. I remember that record. That is a great record. So, um, okay, what about... Um, let, let's talk about Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I, I saw the documentary. Yeah. And I don't think that... I think you need to pick your albums. I'm just telling you. Yeah, yeah. I've thought about this a lot. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I dug on, you know... I listened to... Um, what is it? Uh, cold fact. Yeah, cold fact. Yeah. Today and it, what I loved about it was that because I was listening to it with headphones, yeah. and so I could hear the bass in one and the kick drum in the other ear, and then they would switch in the middle I of the love song. That, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, and as also, a producer, you know that. Yeah, absolutely. At the and at the end, even also at the end of a uh, Sugar Man, when it goes into that weird, almost that Beatles stuff, where it starts doing all that weird stuff, and then they start making all those noises at the end, like yeah. That's his, brilliant to me. Like you know? his whole story is just like crazy. Yeah, and I think I mean the only reason I said instead of Colfax because you know that story where that album was kind of like so legendary in in, in uh, South Africa and you know this 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 guy was freaking literally basically not homeless but he just lived like nothing. He had nothing. In I mean the guy was cooking Detroit. out of a wood burning stove. You know what I mean? Like people were like. You know, obviously the story that they thought he was dead or he committed suicide or yeah. caught himself on fire on stage and all that stuff. Like, I was fascinated. So, like, when, I mean, dude, so when I'm saying, like, either, you know, Colfact or, like, that's that soundtrack, the reason I think I like the soundtrack is because that's how I was turned on to him. So when I walk, when I hear the soundtrack, I kind of just, I don't know, I just get kind of, I feel like I get the whole story. Yes, can we delve into other albums? Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I, th- I think there was a. It's just yeah. unfortunate because there's not, there's not this whole huge catalog with this guy. Like you know, just it's just. That's what I was, I was gonna it. say. It, he doesn't have a whole lot of no. albums. No. So I was kind of just I don't know. 
when you, you said pick five albums, like, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to blow th- two or three records on a Rodriguez, so I just had <laughs> this one right here, because it, it just, it says a lot. That record, that record says a lot, you know, it's kind of like a yeah. best of. Or, no, I mean, as a lyricist, he's just insane, and, and the way his melodies oh, flow, yeah. it's just, I, 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 I totally understood. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, anyone that's listening to this out there, and if, if you haven't heard of this Rodriguez guy, he was supposed to be, the labels had signed him, and uh, I think Dylan in the story said at the same time, and they were trying to figure out. They they they, they reminded him of Dylan. He reminded them of Dylan, and but they were kind of like this guy's kind of a little off the wall. Dylan was a little more layman terms. It could kind of he was a little more mass appeal that they could kind of easier swallow than this Rodriguez guy who was doing all this weird stuff. But to me, it made I didn't think it was that weird because it wasn't any weirder than what the Beatles were doing. I mean, like yeah. So I mean. I don't know. It's, uh, that record's great, dude. When I like want to chill or detox or like de-stress or just I just want to like it's a killer day out and I just want to give me a drink and it's almost like a Bob Marley vibe. You totally, know? dude. Yeah, it's, his it's voice is so soothing, dude. You know, smoke a bowl or something and just it makes you just think. It's just cool, man. I, I, that record's great. It's to this day, I and mean, that's probably the newest out of all those records that I grew up with. Um, this uh, Rodriguez's. I was late to the party. You mean so? Right. I, you know that. That's probably the newest. It's so funny. That's the newest record of my top five or six albums that like I just now got turned on to. Say what that that documentary came out. It's been like six, seven years. Two thousand twelve. Yeah. So. About right. Yeah. That's the newest record <laughs> of my top of my top five. Uh, what's the newest one of mine? Mine is Jet. Uh, Jet's cool. I love Jet. Yeah, Jet's great. I love all the influences that they have. But so, um, so when you look at these albums, are you, are you thinking, um, it influenced my music, it influenced my life? I remember that time in my life, uh, like for instance, the the whole Sugar Man deal. Yeah. Is it that that you it loves the you love the way it makes you feel it that every time you listen to it or well? What I think is it's that? all different. I mean, I mean, right? This every record makes you feel different. Like with Prince. Uh, I tapped into this not only did I tapped into like this musical treasure in my mind uh, there you go oh, there you go um that was a technical that glitch. was Frank Zappa <laughs> the ghost of Frank Zappa is what that was um, but uh, yeah dude like you know Prince I tapped into this like you know a lot of my sexuality and the way I think in my brain about like just when I when I hear him and I, I connect him with a, a sexual awakening that was happening with me when I was coming out of high school and you know then Zappa was this weird just the weird side you know we all have a weird strange crazy side to us and Zappa was the guy who was like connected to that crazy guy and then like Maiden was the kind of the, the adolescent puberty guy that was you know we're all like oh it was, you know let's right. let's all share four beers and like trash this place and rock out to Aaron Maiden like it's like and then, you know, then someone like Rodriguez is like, when you're kind of more mature, like you're starting to listen to like, it's not about attitude or like, it's about melodies and, God, that's a great song, blah, blah, blah. Because when you're, honestly, when you're listening to songs when you're young, like, you just kind of, you know, it's still songs that move you, but you're kind of just, it's just more of an attitude. It's what you're growing on. You know, when I was listening to Rat out of the cellar, I wasn't going like, wow, that's a really great song. Like, it's a masterpiece. I mean, I didn't think it was a masterpiece. I just thought like, I just thought it was cool. I just dug it, like, you know. So, yeah, they all—they all make me feel. There's a different memory about all—all all of so them. Tell me why I should listen to Frank Zappa. 
I think that we all need, just like, I mean, and this sounds crazy, but it's not really a popular um, drug anymore, but I think everybody should eat LSD at least once in their life. I think everybody should trip on acid because it opens or doors. Mushrooms. Yeah, or mushrooms, yeah, because it opens doors in your mind that you aren't kind of, you know, we only use like supposedly like a third of our brain, and you know, so it opens doors to a lot of like your brain that like you knew never knew were there and says and talks and different things to you. I think Frank Zappa is a musical acid trip that everybody should like. Whether you like it or not, you should just kind of chew on it a little bit and see because there's something there that for everyone, you know. Um, well, awesome, all I dude. know is that there are people that are obsessed with Frank Zappa. Dude, I am, I am, I'm obsessed, and there everybody to listen that, to there's that a, are obsessed with yeah. Bob Dylan. Yeah. And Towns Van Zandt. And, and as much as I hate to say it as a songwriter, I don't understand Towns or Bob Dylan. Yeah. It do, they, they don't make sense to me. Me yet. neither. I don't. I mean, it, you know, and, I, and I appreciate that they're legends and they wrote some great songs and, you know, Knocking on Heaven's Doors, like, which is just, you know, obviously just a, I'm just throwing up one of his big ones, but like, you know, it's a fucking great song, dude. Like, but it's not. Um, honestly, I'm not gonna go in my car and put it in. You know, you'll. Ne- I'll never like. Just turn. I'm just pick that like on my like Spotify and be like, I just want to hear this right now and, and cruise down the road to it. That's never gonna happen. I mean, so it's stuff like Zappa. Like, you know, it's kind of like I want to cruise down the road. I got three hours to drive. Like, I'm gonna put on Apostrophe or Hot Rats. You know, Hot Rats is another great record. Like, they just those records just make you. It's 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 a kind of it's not that it's background music. It just make you feel like. You just feel kind of good and happy, and his voice is like he's—he don't give a shit, and he's just he's almost comedic. He's like, hey, he starts talking and stuff, and that, that low voice and that attitude comes out of him, and that and mustache, that mustache, yeah, and ugh. always would smoke a cigarette. But it, what's also great, the guy was a phenomenal guitar player. Like he's one of the greatest guitar players. A lot of people don't know that. I did not know that either, dude. He was right up there with dude. I, it's crazy to say this. He was right up there with Hendrix. He was right up there with Page. He literally was that good. He has. He released, this is how prolific this guy was, six volumes, two, double, double albums called Shut Up and Play Your Guitar, volume one, two, three, four, five, six, two, that he would release through the years. And uh, and then he even, just because he was crazy, he when he was he was like, I'm done with the series, the Shut Up and Play Guitar. So then like a few years later, I think there's a, a few, it was called Son of Shut Up and Play Your Guitar, which was like, just like, he's like, it's not technically that, but it's a spawn, it's the son of that. <laughs> And in these records, it was hilarious because, like, there's one song called the Carlos Santana Variations where, like, he literally just basically, in his mind, he was like, dude, Carlos is great, but, like, he literally only has, like, 20 licks that we've all heard. Like, it's the same licks, and he puts them in every song. And in this song, he literally plays those 20 licks, and you would literally, if somebody tell you, like, Carlos jammed on that song, you wouldn't even know it. Like, but that just shows how advanced he was. And, dude, students, all these... Great Joe Satriani, Steve Vai, all these great guitar players. They started playing in Frank Zappa's band. That's how the, those guys got that killer. Like that's how good you had to be. He, he challenged. Them. Yeah, I mean Steve Vai played with Zappa for 12, 13 years. He was a young kid. He's like seventeen years old. Like Terry Buzio on drums, and you know Vinnie Caliuta, who later played with um, you know Missing Persons and Dale Buzio and all that. Like all these top-notch musicians, they all had they all went through the school of Zappa. Before they went and made their own career. The school of Zappa. Yep, and that's why he's he was the teacher, dude. He was the freaking professor. Hmm? That's interesting. So, 
tell me how um so when i listened to listen to rat today <laughs> i heard so much influence on the vallejo band yeah like almost everything that you guys do i i yeah and even and it's know, even kind of like when i've recorded with you yeah you know i i still i you know i i, I say hey i want to do this thing like you did on i i don't i forget what that song i said but when you take that distorted vocal you yeah know, and you stick it in there and um you you knew exactly what i was talking about absolutely and, and i just see so much influence oh yeah uh, of them on what you guys did and do today. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, you know, coming from a, now that I've become what you know, I was, I was a artist, and then I came became a producer. Like, you know, and it, where producers can even like help create a sound with a band or bring out the sound or, or the, what a, a band's about. Like, you know, Rat had like this EP that they put out, and <clears throat> it had like "You Think You're Tough" and all these kind of little you know early hits that they had, but. It wasn't until they met Bo Hill, who basically just defined the Rat sound. I mean, he went on to do all their other big records, and um, literally, it was he was so important in their sound that when he left, they got in a spat. When he left, and they started uh, using other producers, those records tanked. So it was literally like he was part of the he was Rat. That his he was the Rat sound. You know the the delays and the stacked harmonies and the you know the pan guitars and uh, you know. Unheard of, uh, Warren D. Martini ripping uh, Stratocasters to a Marshall. Like nobody was doing that. They were just either doing Les Pauls or yeah. you know SGs, and you know they had to pick up turn all the way to mm-hmm. the back. Yeah, ripping to a Marshall to, so they could get kind of the crunchy high and but get that warm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, dude, this was just crazy, and this was gives me chills thinking about it. So so Frank had his son Dweezil Zappa, right? And they mm-hmm. all lived, you know, in Cali, so. Uh, in in Frank's book, he talks about Little Warren, and little and that's Warren Demartini. Frank Zappa thought, yeah, uh, you know, Dweezil was like, Dad, this is my buddy Warren. He's good on guitar, and he's like, oh, that's cool. You know, he didn't really care about much of anything. He hated all. He hated that whole metal scene. But like, um, yeah. So they were buddies, and they would, he'd come over to the Zappa house and hang out. And uh, I think Frank was like, just I think he was smoking a cigarette and eating some eggs or something. So he saw the Rat record on the table there, and he he just pops it in because he just had a few time minutes to break from recording, and he was like, um, "Is that their little Warren kid on that record?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, that's him." He was like, "I think he's that's the best thing I've." Frank was a huge fan of Warren D. Martini. Hated Rat, but yeah. thought, he, he's like, "I just he just fast forwarded this guitar solo because like I think he's one of the greatest, the execution, the way he wrote his solos." He goes. Just blown away by this kid. So like, and there was talk of him recording, you know, Warren going to record some Zappa songs, but it never came around. I think Zappa kind of just couldn't bring himself to like, he didn't want the name Rat anywhere near his stuff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> out of the cellar. Yeah, no, just it. Rat. He was just like, he, he, I think he just had a real problem with Stephen's voice, and he was just like, you know, but he was he was a huge fan of Warren D. Martini, who was friends with Dweezil, so. You know, there's, there's a cool thread there. So you're playing with Love and Chaos today. Let's yep. talk about your bands that you're playing with. Mm-hmm. Love and Chaos everybody. is my band uh, with Kendall Beard, who had produced her records. And uh, just basically, you know, if you would asked me five years ago, hey, dude, you're going to have a band with this chick, like, I would have been like, no fucking way. Because, I mean, I mean, I love Kendall, and she's great. And, but something, there was something there after the second record when 
because I basically just reworked really hard. I did a lot of like, it was basically me doing a lot of the work for her first album because she was kind of coming off American Idol and she was still kind of green with the writing. But something in the second, after we released that first album, she just started, it's almost like she was like, okay, I'm done. Like we put that first record away and then she was like, she just started bringing me songs and I was like, holy damn, like this girl, like, because dude, I taught her how to play the chords, play guitar. I was like, here's this, you need five chords, you can write a bunch of songs. It's like, she all of a sudden just showed up, like, she would just show up with these tunes, and I'd be like, you wrote that by yourself? Yeah, I wrote that. So now, it, she, there was something that clicked in her that made her, like, she became a songwriter. It was, and it right. was like, and before that time, I just didn't really take her seriously. I was kind of like, I'm okay. just gonna, I'm gonna help right. you make this record, but like, so much to the point where I was like, man, I really want to write with this chick. So like, we write, and, you know, and then we have this crazy weird relationship where we fight like brothers and sisters, or you know, she's kind of become like my band wife, and it's just it's just weird. Like, but it works so well because we can literally finish each other's like lines, or I'll write a line, or I show her a song, she's like, "That's good," but like that line can be better, you know. Like, and before I would not care, or I'd get frustrated if somebody would say that, but for some reason I just didn't with her, and you know, if she'd bring a song to me, I'd be like, "That's good," but like that. Bridge is kind of like, eh, we could work on that. So, dude, next, you know, 20, 30 songs later, we were kind of like, uh, I love something. what you guys are doing. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I it's great. It. I'm really, ha- I'm really happy with it, you know. And I wish we could do more, but. You still got your Southtown thing going? Southtown's cool. I mean, uh, then I got this new, this new project that I'm working on. It's working title, Brody Lane, which is basically just a, I don't know, man. I have this batch of songs sitting around. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Whiskey or Band was cool, but like, and you know, I kind of put that aside. But it's kind of like a, it was just a little too heavy and a little too raucous and mad. And like I said, now I'm kind of getting in my late forties and going into fifty. You know, I think this is kind of, and that's what's great about Love and Chaos. It's like I think this is all music that I'm writing now with Love and Chaos and this Brody Lane thing. Like, is something I can grow old with. Like, you know, nothing against Vallejo. Vallejo's awesome, but like, there's. I'm not gonna be able to play that. It's, we're getting to a point where, like, sometimes some of the songs I'm kind of like I've just grown out of them. Just, yep. I'm just kind of like, the song's not that. It's a cool song. And then you've got your solo stuff too. Yeah, and the solo stuff's great, dude. It just means a lot, you know. But dude, this thing about the solo thing, the more I'm realizing it, and I love it. I'm really proud of uh, "Love Songs for Dummies." It's really, really, like I don't think I. That's really a really great record. I'm really proud of. But the thing, my, and and this is the thing as a producer, what I do with other artists is like. The thing about a solo album is kind of like there's nobody there to like tell you no, no or that sucks. That's cool or blah blah. blah. You know and you know and the the more days it kind of separate that the release of that record, the more some of those songs I'm like, you know, Ken or even you or anybody just was like, hey dude, interjected a little bit of like feedback. Yeah, probably no, be a better I, song. I, I, you know? I totally hear you. You know, and that's kind of like what we do when we work with you guys. Like you know, we sit around and. And you, you're like, hey, dude. Eat La does Valentina. Need, does this need tacos. like, <laughs> yeah, does this need by like. By the way, they got voted by AAA as like in their magazine. I sent you a picture of it. Yeah. Of like the the, the brisket taco to go get. Yeah, that's, I, I'm gonna, I gotta get that. My dad, it's funny, my dad, they, my mom and dad moved, you know, here down to South Austin and they literally live like right down the street. And my dad, like, I told him, like, oh, you gotta go there. Well, you know, I don't. It's got to be real deal, or I'm not. I don't want it. I'm like, <laughs> Dad. Go. Dad, listen to me. I, I said, I'm telling just you, go. Just, yeah. My mom's like, he, I believe he, that's the best taco in the world. I think. I think it is too. I believe the best enchilada in the world is enchiladas y mas. Yeah. 
I need to check that. I haven't checked that out yet. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll take you there. Yeah. But so tell everybody where they can find you on the on the on the interweb. In the interweb, dude. AJ Vallejo. Just go to ajvallejo.com. It has literally, because I could say all my bands, but like just go to ajvallejo.com and it it has all everything on there, all the info, you know, all the acts, everything, all the projects I'm doing, all my studio news, you know, everything I'm doing. I haven't been doing a lot of producing uh, other than with you guys, but this this year, this past year, I just kind of took off from producing because I just kind of wanted to do me, you know, like do do my stuff, you know. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, you know, and I'm excited about all right the record we're doing so that with you guys, but we kind of took a little break on that because I think you wanted to go back to the drawing board and do some. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a brand new song that I, that I want to bring to the table as well. Yeah. Anyway, so listen, let's wrap this up, but before we do, I'd like to ask you a favor. Okay, what's that? Will you please carve your name in my table? Hell yeah, dude! All right, <laughs> I'd love to. I think it's funny because I'm sitting here looking at I'm looking at all this stuff. Like, <laughs> you can see Ginger Lee is right here. It's awesome. Ginger fucking Lee. It's awesome. Um, so, all right, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna carve the rat logo in on you, your table. Well, you get to do whatever you want. <laughs> That's this awesome. Is, it's your dude, time. This is awesome, dude. It's, I think this is really cool. This is fun, man. I because I've, I've done podcasts and we talk about you know just what's going what, on what are you up to? You just talk for like two hours. Uh, two, two hours about like nothing what do we really talk about and right. it's like this is cool man because uh, uh it was actually cool to, like, it was fun to kind of just go down memory lane and I mean th- those records are important to me and I'm sure everybody else in this podcast brings their favorite records like it's cool man it was really cool to like to actually verbally say like what makes those records so important to me you know fun I dug it alright guys thanks a lot alright dude Later. adios Yes, I just love AJ's top five records. I mean, Motorhead would never have been in my list of top five, but I can see why it's in his. He had a story to go along with it and everything. But if I had to guess one of AJ's top five records, I would have scored because I knew that Rat had to be in there. It just had to be. Out of the Cellar is way too AJ Vallejo. My favorite part, though, about tonight was that he came over on Halloween night, and we did this on Halloween night, and he showed up as Prince. He had the gold chains hanging in his face and everything. It made me laugh a lot. Anyway, if you've got gumption, head over to TheBigGunShow.com. That's TheBigGunShow.com, and check out what we're up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube with the handle of TheBigGunShowBand. I'll be back in two weeks, and then every other week after that, close your eyes. You're back on that desert island again. What five records do you have?